You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Lead college football analyst at uh, Fox Sports, our buddy Joel Klatt, presented by Audi Flatirons. Good morning, Joel. What's up? How are we doing today? Doing great, man. Things are good. I heard a rumor you uh you were you you were are are still in Colorado or were in Colorado? Yeah, yeah. We we were visiting family this week. So uh it was a quick little trip, lots to do, but uh we're gonna head back today. All right. Oh, good. that's nice, man. It's so beautiful here. It's just been great. It is. We've had a great time. Good for you. Had a great time. Good for you guys. <laughs> guys, my eleven year old son just Walked out of his his room where he was sleeping and just stared at me like, "Are you seriously talking this loud at this time?" <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Sorry, eight, Henry. Eight twelve is really early. Really yeah, early. Sorry, buddy. Vacation when you're eleven, over here. Yeah, hey. vacation's over. Yeah, when you're when you're eleven, eight twelve is like getting up at four a.m. Like it is. Yeah, it right. is very early. Hey, uh, preseason game number one. The Broncos take on the Arizona Cardinals. So what, what, what are you what are you looking for from the Broncos? What are you looking for in speci- uh, specifically with this offense? Well, I mean, this is the first time we're going to get a chance to see starters in the preseason. Thank goodness. I mean, we talked about that so much last year. Um, yeah, I I, I want to see them. I'm, we would all love to see them go right down the field, right, and and have a little bit of uh, urgency, have some detail, some execution. Certainly, I don't I don't know if we're going to see that or not, um, based on what you've been seeing and, and reading. Yeah, the offense has been a little behind. That's absolutely understandable and and expected early in camp. But as we get into these games, what you should start to see is that the offense should start to have a little bit more success. And the reason is because games for an offense is much easier than than a practice because you're dictating um, what's going on from a schematic standpoint. You're no longer just running scripted plays, but you're building a series. And you're using formations and everything to make things easier on yourself and harder on the defense. With all that being said, like I, I would love to see them go out there and, and put together a few really good series. I also want to see the style of, of, of football that, that you want Sean Payton to have and to see from Russell Wilson. Um, it was very evident last year that the style of, of ball that Russell wanted to play was different than what his strengths were. And I want to see exactly what Sean is is doing and wanting to do with Russell and, and what it looks like because it's going to look a little different from, from Drew Brees. So I think that's what I'm most curious about tonight is, is to see the style with which this offense wants to play. Cause I think you're going to see at least an effort towards that style early in the game. How about energy? Like I always say, when you watch different teams, like you're doing your college football preparation or I'm doing an NFL game and sometimes the effort and the intensity just jumps off. Like when you're watching the film, it just jumps off the screen. Like, wow, that team has got some energy. How, how important is that? And how, how much do you think you can kind of glean from that just watching the film? I don't know about preseason, to be honest. I like, I just don't know. I think it's really hard. Um, I was talking with Mark Ingram is going to join us um, on, on Big Noon Kickoff. And I was talking to him over the last couple of weeks. You know, just about preseason, he played for 12 years in the, in the league. And he just talked about, and, and I'm sure you remember this, just what an absolute drain preseason games are. 
because you're trying to get yourself ready to go because listen, it's, it's a physical battle and you got to go out there and protect yourself and execute. And you're trying to get yourself revved up, but you know, it doesn't mean anything. And you know, you're only trying to play one, maybe two at the most three series as a starter. So the energy I think is, is probably going to be seen more from those guys that are trying to earn roster spots after those first three series. Now, to your point, yeah, you'd love to see effort and you'd love to see him flying around. And then there's also, there's, I think that, you know, Broncos country, if, if you will, we probably have a little bit of PTSD from Russell's false energy. Like, I don't want to see like Russell Wilson out there, you know, and, and given his, his false energy, I think that that wore thin last year it reminds me of Tebow not to go all the way back, but that's, that's what re- it reminds me of. It's just kind of the, the, the falseness of, of some of the energy. I don't want to see that. I want to see him get down to business, go out there and execute, and then get out of the game. Visit with Joel Klatt. Joel, Sean Payton made a big deal this week about how tempo is crucial and that they're really, really trying to drill that into these guys on offense. Uh, from a quarterback's perspective, why is tempo so crucial? Generally speaking, is because tempo is, well, it's one is, is it could be the cart or the horse. Mark, I'd love your thoughts on this, too. Mm-hmm. Generally, when you're in great tempo, it means that you're in more base downs, you know, so you're on schedule. It's really hard to play with tempo when you're off schedule. So when you're in, you know, first and 10, you can be in tempo. Second and six or shorter, you can be in tempo. Third and three or shorter, you can be in tempo. When, when you're, you know, first and 10, and then all of a sudden, no, it's, you know, second and 11, uh, and then it's third and eight. Well, that's really hard because you're, you're, you're out of your base plan and you're trying to do things that, that are much more difficult. Now, this is also music to the ears of the fans because last year we had the, the whole counting down debacle. They couldn't get the play in. So, yes, we'd love to see them play with tempo, but tempo is generally speaking, um, at least in my experience, a product of being on schedule. So if you can play on schedule, you can play with tempo. That's why I've always found it interesting, people that tried to emphasize tempo. It's like, well, to me, tempo is a product of execution and success, more so than it is just like a, we want to play with tempo. I've seen teams play with tempo themselves right out of like a 19-second drive and a three and out. Indiana was playing Ohio State last year or the year before. I can't remember. I was doing the game. Maybe it was Michigan last year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure to take a jab at Indiana, but they they kept talking about, like, we want to go fast. We want to play with tempo. And I'm like, well, wh- why would you do that when all that it's going to do is, is lengthen the game because of the way the clock works and give Michigan or, or Ohio State, in this case, like, more snaps because they're better than you. So the only way you can win is to lower the number of snaps. So again, that that's a an instance where tempo is above execution. To me, execution and success leads to the correct tempo and the right tempo of what you want to play with as an offense. It's you know it's a great point, and it's one of the issues that happened to Chip Kelly when he came to the NFL. And his theory was, you know, we're going to make more plays by using more plays. We're going to make more plays, and therefore we're going to put you behind the chains. And ultimately, what happened is every fifth game the defense had played, or every fourth game, you know, the quarters of the season, the defense had taken five games worth of snaps because there were so many three and outs, you just wore your defense out. And, yeah, there there is, I love that aspect of being on schedule, being on time, because that keeps 
that keeps the defense having to play everything. Hey, man, third down and four minus, we can run the ball here. We got a great nickel package run. And you've got to defend that. And then you can't pass rush like you'd like to get off and pass rush. And we eliminate that opportunity for you just to pin your ears back. So I I love the thought process there, Joel. And, and, And also, I would even, like, piggyback on that. Mark, to me, you know, tempo isn't about frequency. It's more about, like, for instance, an analogy of, like, waves hitting the shoreline. You know, that's tempo. There's, there's like, this rhythm to, to a tempo, and that generally happens out of success. But it's, you know, I think that we wrongly always think of tempo as, as maybe frequency, uh, an increased frequency, and that's not generally like I would, I would say the case, but yeah, that's a that's a good conversation. You've had some time to digest what has happened, the stunning changes in college sports, college football. Yeah. As you've had a chance to reflect, is it good? Are these changes good? Well, great, great, great question. Um, let me first start by saying, like, change has always happened in college athletics, always. There's never been like a really lengthy time that we've seen, you know, like stability as it relates to conferences. I mean, all you have to do is look back and there's like, you know, late eighties, almost into the early nineties, Florida state, Penn state and Miami were still independents. Like we've seen change and the sport evolve constantly. I'm reminded of, of that line from river runs through it or it says nothing lasts forever. Um, no way. Nothing perfect lasts forever except in our memory is the line. And that's, that's very indicative of college football fans. We think that it was always better in the past, but in reality, it, it wasn't. The postseason was more screwed up than what it was it, it is now. And we've always and constantly seen the evolution of conferences and, and shifting. Now, having said that, the nostalgic part of me and, and says like, man, this is going to be a bummer to lose the pac 12. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Now it, it also is not a singular domino. It's a domino and a long line of dominoes that have fallen over the course of really the last decade, which has led to the demise of the conference and, and, and inept leadership, uh, a real failure of execution in, in leadership have led to this point. And a lot of, at least the way I feel these schools that have moved didn't really have a chance or a choice. I guess I should say, if you, if you really look at it now, moving forward, what I do think is, is that college football is getting better every single year. And if you look at the interest, if you look at the fan engagement, if you look at the quality, if you look at the players, you know, getting put into the NFL, maybe outside of offensive line mark, to be fair, mm-hmm. like they're better every single year. So in, in my mind, a lot of this is champagne problems. Um, there's a lot of money involved and these schools have to have it in order to try to be competitive. Uh, and, and that's where all of this is basically generating from. Um, does it make me sad? Sure. Do I think that there's a, a chance and, and a real great chance that in the future all of this looks better and is more interesting for the fans? Yes. Yes, I do. And, and I just go back to that line. Nothing perfect lasts forever except in our memories. Yeah, it's great. You know what it, it reminded me of, too, is that the big winner in this is Idaho. Because <laughs> they saw looking forward, because in the 1800s, they were in the pack. It was like the pack six. 
And they That's saw right. the eventual demise of the Pac-12 and said, hey, we're getting out of there. We're getting out of there early. So That's early right. against they, the war. They had so much foresight. Yes. I just, like the the amount of foresight there. And now maybe they're going to get the coops and the kidney down. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. They won't have, to, they won't the have to travel that eight miles over to Cougar Stadium. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Host them. Yeah. You know, you know we always li- we we used to always joke when you were here about how you would uh, you'd walk around campus at CU, big football star. You'd see a golfer. <laughs> you'd toss him a sleeve of Titleist and go here. Here you go. You're welcome. You know, like the, the football team pays all the bills, right? But boy, have we have we not seen that? in full bloom throughout this entire story that, that it's all about the football and, and yeah. all the other programs, even the basketball programs. It, it, it doesn't matter as much as what is, is best for the football program, even for schools that the basketball team or the baseball team is better than the football team. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And, and it's just because of, the popularity of the sport of football and, and the viewership that it it generates, you know, and it's it's a, it's a massive deal, you know these these deltas, these margins that we're talking about. Like for instance, if USC and UCLA didn't take the invitation to the Big Ten, they would be in a about a, a thirty thousand or excuse me thirty million dollar deficit as compared to Big Ten schools. Because they'd be basically saying, like, no, you know what? We don't want $60 million every single year from a revenue distribution. We want 30 And if if Colorado and Arizona, well, it's just Colorado from this standpoint, if they didn't leave the Pac-12 when they did and go to the Big 12, we're talking about a margin of probably 10 maybe more million dollars per year. Well, you can't fund the other sports. There, There is an obligation by these administrators – and chancellors and presidents, that if you're going to participate in intercollegiate athletics, if you're going to participate in the 16 to you know 23 sports that some of these schools have, well, the rest of those sports are absolutely dependent upon that money, 100%. All of the staff, all of the scholarships, all of it, they're dependent on that revenue share. So these people had to make these decisions, not just for the football team and where they were going to play on TV, although that does make a difference. But if you want intercollegiate athletics, if you want the opportunity to give um, a a fabulous female soccer player an opportunity to have a scholarship or volleyball player, a basketball player, a golfer, a track star, you have to do this. There's no other way around it. And and so I do... (laughs) I do bristle when when people who are in non-revenue sports start to say like, "Well, you know, this is going to make our travel harder." I don't care. <laughs> the only reason you exist is because you can do this travel. You know, so like, I'm not trying to take shots. I'm just saying you're exactly right. You know, the only way that any of this is sustained is through that revenue distribution. All right, Joel, man, love it. Appreciate you. Glad you were on vacation. Glad you get to go home. And uh, and thank you so much for being a part hey, of it. September 2nd is coming up fast. That's right. Buddy, buddy, I cannot wait. I'll do the TCU game and I'll be in town for Nebraska. Oh. Doing Colorado's both their, their first two games. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Good talking to you. We'll see you next All week. Right, Later. There he goes. Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst at uh, Fox Sports.
on with us each and every week. Uh, normally Wednesday. We'll get back to the Wednesday schedule uh, last week, but he had to do it uh, today. And he is presented by Audi Flatirons. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.